0: experience missions 22 and as you hear me say when we come to these weeks these are the two most important weeks on the calendar of our church in my opinion as we come together as a church family and we ask the question corporately and also individually what am i doing about fulfilling what christ has asked me to fulfill the great commission going into all the world and making disciples now You were handed a book or you saw one of these as you were coming in. If you didn't get one, I encourage you to pick one up on your way out. This is an important vision uh, document that we like to hand out every single year that tells you where we've been, where we're going. And I see this as really a, a threefold tool. First of all, it's a prayer journal. If you turn to the middle pages, you will see missionary after missionary after 80 missionary. We have 80 missionaries and all of their projects that we support as a church family. And uh, you'll see them uh, named, you'll see their place of ministry, and we have many in our church that take this journal, this prayer journal, and literally pray for one missionary every single day. And I want to encourage you to adopt that uh, yourself and to pray for a missionary every single day. Just literally go through this uh, uh, roster of missionaries over and over again. It's a prayer journal. It's also a uh, giving prospectus. If you look at page 7, you will see the incredible giving that has flown out from BCA since uh, uh, 2020 all the way up until now, and what was given last year during a challenging time, over $300,000 given to Global Missions last year alone. And uh, I just want to say thank you from the by my heart for this church being so, so dialed in when it comes to what Christ has called us to be about. We are here to fulfill the Great Commission. We must fulfill the purposes of God. And I want to thank you for being all about that. And today, again, we're going to talk about how we can do not just what we've been doing, but how can we do even a little bit more. So it's a giving prospectus. When you give to BCA Missions, I call it the the, uh, mutual fund of missions. As you give whatever dollar amount you give, it literally goes in every direction around the world through all of our missionaries. So it's a prayer journal, it's a giving prospectus, it's also a, uh, a, a go, a travel plan. As you see on pages nine and 10 and 11, the short-term outreach missions trips that we're going to be taking again this year. In fact, on the back of this pledge card, we're going to come and talk about our pledges later on in the service, but you'll see on the other side, it talks about our storm trips. We're going to Sumba, Indonesia for the first time in a few years. We're going back to Albania again for the first time in a few years, able to travel again, and we're eager to get back going and uh, taking resources and and, uh, digging wells and uh, helping buy uh, property for churches and building church buildings and doing children's work and medical work and on and on it goes. So consider being a part of the go team and go on a short-term outreach missions trip. Pray, give, go. That summarizes what we're about here at BCA and we take that very, very literally. We're very, very passionate about it and if you're new to BCA, we invite you to jump on board and and join us. Now there's one further thing I want to say before we move to the next part of our service and that is this our hearts are broken for what's happening in Ukraine. And if you would like to join my wife and I and many others in our church family in contributing uh, to uh, the crisis relief efforts of Ukraine, you can go to the front page of our website, you'll see the box that you see right there on the very bottom, click it once, it'll take you right to uh, the crisis relief page or you can go on your app and just go to give, go down one, you'll see crisis relief, you can give that way, Uh, you know, Several days ago, I heard there were one million refugees uh, pouring out, trying to find a a place uh, of safety uh, from Ukraine. Uh, A few days later, it was up to one and a half million. It's probably close to two million now. I don't know. Somebody said it's the worst crisis refugee uh, circumstances we've faced in the world since World War II, and it's horrific, horrific in every sense of the world. Now, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider. Uh, We have boots on the ground through the Convoy of Hope, who we support in all of these kinds of crisis times. And they're ready and waiting and needing our resources. So we hope to send a very generous offering from BCA this week and next week. So thank you for considering that. Well, right now I want you to fasten your seatbelt. And I want you to get ready as we're going to start traveling around the world through global missions. Put your tray table in an upright position. Make sure your seat belts are fastened. And for heaven's sake, put your shoes back on, okay? Here we go.
1: I stand here with the weight of the world on my shoulders. My father died suddenly and now I'm here watching men perform the rituals for his cremation when just yesterday I was making him a cup of chai. Every day our family lit candles before our gods and performed the worship services necessary of our people. Why would the gods allow this to happen when we've been so faithful? I need to get married. Who will arrange this? Who does the responsibility fall on? I guess my uncle. Every morning I pray at the temple and do all the rituals. Is this still not enough? Where is the relief I've been promised? I can't help but thank of my friend Isha. Isha's burden also unbearably heavy. She was depressed for years after her mother's death, barely able to leave her home or perform the pujas necessary for a good Hindu. But after some time she found the strength to get up and start going to the gym. She tells me how she found a community there that has shown her a new way to live. She's found hope and peace. I keep telling her over and over that Jesus is a foreign God and that a true Hindu would never even consider following a religion that would cost your identity. But she tells me that Jesus has a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. Hmm. I wonder what Isha told her family. Didn't they think she had gone mad? But she hasn't forgotten her family and turned Western. She still eats with us and celebrates with us. She actually tells me that Jesus wasn't even Western. It all seems impossible as I stand on the steps of our most sacred and holy river. As I watch my father's body be consumed by the flames, I wonder, will I live in this moment of death or will I find life?
0: According to the numbers that you read, there are some eight billion people around the world. About 2.1 billion are Christian, about 1.3 Islam, about 1.1 billion non-religion or atheist, Hindu, Chinese, Buddhism, you see the numbers there. Also, there's about 3.19 billion that have never, ever heard of the name of Jesus. Isn't that mind-boggling? I mean, we can hear about Jesus at any time we want. We open a Bible, we turn on uh, a podcast, you know, read a book. I mean, we can hear about Jesus over and over again. And yet there are 3.19 billion people around the world who have not heard. Seen another way, there's about 17,298 people groups in the world. 42.6% of those have never, ever heard the name Jesus 42.6, that's almost half. 73.68, unreached people groups around the world. The need of missions and global outreach is huge. It feels like it's as big as it's ever been. So many haven't heard. These numbers come from Global Frontier Missions, and they add this. There are $32 billion spent on global missions annually. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? But consider 18 billion dollars a year is spent on specialty coffee, 66.5 billion a year on lotto tickets, and 66 billion on tattoo removal. That one got me. And so when you think about it, the amount spent, the amount spent on global missions is really kind of pales in comparison. The point is, friends, we need to double our efforts and do everything we possibly can to be a part of fulfilling Christ's command to us to go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus Christ alone is the hope of the world. Would you agree with that? And God sent his son Jesus Christ to be the bridge from an unholy man to a holy God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son And what did Jesus say? As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. I am the bridge between man and God, and now you as my representative must bridge people to me. You must reconcile people to me. You need to be salt and light. You need to be my ambassadors, my witnesses, and you need to lead people to me. And you need to go into all the world and make disciples. That's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. We like to say it this way around here. The Great Commission was Jesus Christ's deathbed wish. If someone who meant the world to you was on their deathbed and said, I have something really important I want to tell you, come down, lean down, listen to me as I offer kind of my last words with my last breath. You and I would both say, we want to hear what they have to say. This is going to be really, really important. And that's what Jesus did in essence. Just before he left, he said to his disciples, I want you to go into all the world. And we like to say it this way, his last command must be our first priority. I said it last week, you know, the vision statement of our church is to live, love, and lead like Jesus. We have it on sweatshirts and mugs and signs and banners, and it's everywhere you look. But we cannot live and love and lead like Jesus if our heart does not break for what breaks the heart of God, and that is lost, broken people who haven't even heard If you or I were one of those that have never heard, how appreciative would you be if a church like BCA doubled its efforts to make sure I could hear about Jesus? We'd be really appreciative. And that's the point, and that's the picture, and that's the message. We get caught up on all sorts of things going on in our little worlds, and it's not unimportant. But there's something that gives us perspective about Missions Week where we go, you know, there's a lot of needs around the world. There's a lot of things happening in Ukraine. There's a lot of people who have never heard about Jesus. I need to make sure the main thing is that I keep the main thing the main thing, and that is to do everything I possibly can by praying, giving, and going so that everyone hears about Jesus. We're blessed to have 80 missionaries and missionary projects. We're one of the leading churches in all of the churches in our denomination, in our area. It's not because we're the biggest church, but it's because this church has been so passionate for so long. 80 missionaries and all of their projects. In addition to that, five global church partnerships. And I want to talk about the five global church partnerships next year. Or excuse me, next week. And I'll do it next year too, for that matter. And the year after that. We have five global church partnerships where we go year after year after year and we help send resources to to buy property and build churches and dig wells and send teams to do children's work and youth work and leadership training and medical missions and all the like. We're hoping to add a sixth global church partnership in the course of the next year or so. And all of that happens because you pray, because you give, and because you go. And I'm here to say God bless you keep it up, B-C-A, keep it up, keep it up. And this is the message in all of our services here today. It's what is God calling me to do as an individual this year, and what is God calling us as a church family to do collectively. Let me close this part by drawing your attention to Romans 10. This is such a powerful, powerful scripture. Romans 10, verse 13 It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody that says, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me my sin, is going to be saved, going to become a Christian. But notice these conditions. How, then, can they call on the one they have not even believed in? you got to believe first. Well, how can they believe if they haven't even heard, 42% haven't even heard the name of Jesus? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem loving. How can they hear without someone uh, how can they believe if they haven't heard how can they hear if someone isn't preaching to them and how can someone uh, how can anyone preach unless they are sent We need to send or be sent ourselves we need to spend financially or go and be spent ourselves There are only two teams There's the sending team and the sent team. And we all need to be a part of one of those two. If God's calling you to go on global missions, go. If he isn't, welcome to the sending team. God wants you to pray. He wants you to give. So I want you to open your hearts as we hear from different parts of the world as to what God is doing and ask God to just quicken it to your heart to see how you might be able to help. Let's listen.
2: family. How are we today? That is excellent. Are we we full up on coffee? It's one of the reasons why I love the Northwest. On Sunday morning, we get Java, jeans, and Jesus all in one place, and it's fantastic. (laughs) Love that. My name is Sean Mills. I work in Spain with International Media Ministries, and we're just doing some amazing things with media, y'all. We work with over seven different satellites broadcasting across North Africa, Middle East, and parts of Asia. Every month, we're reaching over 10 million Muslims with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are broadcasting in 4K in their language. We have over 80 different languages that we work with. And I want to tell you the story of one of the people that we're working with about a new project that we're going to be involved in that we're starting pre-production on this year. Her name and the names have been changed to protect her, is Lila. And Lila is from a country called Iran. She was well known, and she was a Christian. And one morning, there was a knock on her door. She went to go answer it, and there was the religious police. They took her from her home that morning. She spent nine months in prison every day tortured. Four of those months she spent in solitary confinement. By a miracle of God, she was able to escape Iran, and we are now working with her to do a new story to the Persian people of Iran, the story of Esther. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that the tomb of Esther is a religious site in the capital, you can still go to it. And the Persian people still consider Queen Esther, to be one of their most beautiful queens of history. And so we're going to do a production that allows them to see that she was a woman of faith with ties back to Jesus Christ. We also just finished up eight episodes of the early church fathers reminding North Africans that they have a Christian heritage that predates their Muslim heritage. But that's not all. I want to present to you Something else that we're working on, because media takes all forms. This is a computer. This is something I'm calling a guerrilla distribution device. This broadcasts its own Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Anywhere that people can get a Wi-Fi signal on their phones, tablets, or PCs, or apples if that's your thing, you can download or stream from this device within 60 feet. We are taking the gospel of Christ everywhere. We are penetrating into the darkest areas where not even some signals can get through. BCA, I want to encourage you in this Missions Week to really think. Because you all send me, you sent me years ago, and you're still sending me. And that is how you all are standing in the gap so that we can continue to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I just want to thank you. Continue doing what you all are doing and even go beyond. You guys are amazing. I love you all. I'll be back out in the lobby if anybody wants to talk. I love to talk. If you can't tell, uh, come check me out. Anyway, pay attention to the next guys because they are doing some great things as well. Thank you very much, BCA.
3: Good morning, everyone. My name is Brent Colby. It's great to be here today. My family and I are missionaries to Brussels, Belgium. It's even weird to say that, to be honest to you, because for the last 17 years of our marriage, my wife and I have been on the sending team. We felt a call to missions as freshmen at Northwest uh, College at the time when we were students there. We felt this call to missions. And for years, we wanted to serve in missions. And God continually said, yes, but not yet. Yes, but not yet. It was about a year ago, the Holy Spirit tapped my wife on the shoulder and said, now's the time to go. She told me, now's the time to go. And I said, Lord, thank you. Uh, This is a very uh, uh, inconvenient time to become a missionary. I don't know if you noticed, there's a global pandemic going on. And, you know, when we said to missionaries all those years ago, we actually had zero kids. Now we have four little kids. And, you know, there's, I don't know, Lord, is is the timing right now? And he said, yes, I need you to be obedient. Well, the truth is our entire ministry, our entire marriage, we were always just saying yes to Jesus, whatever that led us to do, serving as kids pastors, youth pastors, kids directors for our network, associate pastors. Our rule of thumb was just to listen to the Holy Spirit and to say yes to whatever that was. And about a year ago, the Lord said, I want you to become missionaries now. We told our kids... Uh, we're preparing to be missionaries. The Lord called us to serve at a place in, in Brussels, Belgium, which Europe is normally not one of those places you think of when you think of missionaries. You think of digging wells and running orphanages and things like that. And, of course, those are great uh, ministries and essential all around the world. But as we started praying about Belgium, we, we realized and we were told as we connected with missionaries over there that throughout the continent of Europe, only about 3% of the population there has a personal relationship with Jesus. 3%. The church plays a significant part of the culture culture and the history of these places, but it plays a very uh, minuscule part of the everyday lives of the people who live there. In fact, the further west you go until you get to countries like Belgium and France, the amount of people there who have a personal relationship with Jesus is just over 1%. And so as we started praying about where we would go, we started connecting about what we might do. We ended up connecting with a place called Continental Theological Seminary. You can see a photograph of it behind me. This building is an old building. It used to be, of all things, horse stables for a nearby castle, right, only in Europe. You can see those big arches, those doorways there. You can imagine carriages being pulled in and out of those buildings. It's now a place that is a training center to send church planters and ministry leaders all throughout the continent of Europe and Northern Africa. You can see a picture of some recent graduates there, and you can tell that they're from all over the place. CTS is an incredibly strategic initiative because right now it is training people from over 35 different nations. And the cool thing is, is once they graduate, they go back home to the places they're from, Speaking the languages they speak, working in the businesses they already work in or own, related to the people that are their family, and they go to preach the gospel. Many of these people are going to places that you and I would never have access to. One son student uh, is named Hakim, he's from northern Pakistan. He gets saved, he migrates to Europe, and he gets called into ministry. He goes back home into northern Pakistan and starts telling people about Jesus. Well, quickly he realizes that many of these isolated regions in northern Pakistan, they speak a different dialect. So he takes his version of the Bible and he starts translating it into a dialect that they might understand. Well, he has a gift for this, and soon he realizes that God's calling him to do this vocationally. But he doesn't know how to, how to translate from the original Hebrew and Greek. He wants these people to have a, like an original translation of the original text into their, into their languages that they speak. So what does he do? He goes to Continental Theological Seminary. He gets trained in Hebrew. He gets trained in Greek. He learns how to translate the Bible into all of these dialects. And today, on this Sunday, he is there now helping people read a Bible that has never been written in their language before, praising the Lord and and learning about him in a dialect that's never, ever had a, a translation of the Bible before. That's happening today. And it's happening because he said yes to Jesus. And he is taught because of all the other missionaries who have become before us and said yes to Jesus, who have taken all their skills, all their experiences, and are doing the hard work that is required to prepare people to be church planners, ministry leaders, whatever that looks like, all throughout the entire continent. My family is honored to go and to serve. I'll be honest; this will be our, this is our first term. And it's a little bit scary. We told our kids, "Guys, we're going to Belgium. We're going to be missionaries, and we're going to be learning how to speak French." You know, and, and any, any parent that has kids, we have uh, four four children. They all respond so differently. Our oldest downloads an app. She starts teaching herself. Our, our oldest son's worried about what sports he can play. Our, our youngest daughter, she's four. Whenever we visit on Sunday, she always puts her fists up in the air and says, We're in Belgium! You know, so she, isn't quite, she doesn't quite get it yet. You know, our youngest son, he, he, pulled, he pulled my wife aside and he goes, Mom, Mom, can you teach me all the bad words in French first just so I don't accidentally say them? So that's, so be praying for us. This is all I'm saying. Be praying for us. This is a great, great adventure. And I will just say, on behalf of ourselves and the 79 plus other missionary families that you support, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your generosity. And thank you for allowing us to serve as an extension of your ministry, both here and around the world.
4: morning, BCA. Good morning. It's a joy to be here. And I want to say, Brent, we have awesome wives because after our first two years of marriage, my wife said, you promised that when we got married we were going to become missionaries and the time is now. So I was like, hey, kind of has the same story. And so I just thank God for all the, that was back in 95. And uh, we've been able to work in Cuba for the last 20 years now. And I just want to thank the Lord, first of all, for BCA, for your commitment over the last decade of sending teams to Cuba to make a difference. And on behalf of the, the pictures you saw, you guys are helping one of the most remote, remote areas of Cuba, all the way in the eastern side in Baracoa to help many churches. In Cuba, in 1989, when I went the first time in my life to Cuba, there was only about 0.5% of Christian evangelicals across denominational lines in the country of Cuba. And then a revival took place. And as a result of that revival, young people, like the person I'm going to show you here in this picture, Norlin in the middle there, I started working with him when he was 19 years old. And he left at the age of 17, young people, he left his home. He was fighting for his faith since he was 8 years old. He would sneak out of the window to go to his local house church because his dad didn't want him going to, his stepdad did not want him going to church. And when he turned 17, where he was of age, graduated from high school, they thought he was going to be contributing to the household uh, because he did artisan crafts. And they are going to sell to tourists. No, he decided now's my chance. I can leave home. I'm of age. And he went to go plant a church at 17 years of age. When I met him at 19, he was on his second church plant. I was so moved by the testimony that he gave me. I gave him like a love offering that I just felt by the Spirit to give him $100. I come back a year later. I've been to Cuba, but I saw him a year later. And he said, man, those $100, you don't know what a blessing they were. I got married and I went on a honeymoon. I said, man, if you would have told me that, I would have gave you at least 200 You know what I'm saying? And he's been faithful. After about working with him for about 10 years, the Lord opened the door to bring him to the United States, and he came and I introduced him to different ministries. Some of my friends that I grew up with in church in Northern California, he went to a a, a ministry called City Team, I think it was the name of it. In in San Jose, California, they introduced him to a methodology of evangelism through Bible discovery where you don't have a service, you train a facilitator, and then you just go and you win one person and then you have them invite his family and friends. And this is the result. He started getting all these people in homes. And he was the chaplain director by then for two provinces in Cuba, had about 800 chaplains under his supervision, and he told them about the methodology. How many of you want to do And They started doing it, and about four or five years later, they had somewhere, I don't know the number, it's a big gap, but it's between 4,000 and 5,000 Bible discovery groups meeting in homes, and then all wanting Bibles, and I try to get them Bibles. I look for ways to get Bibles into Cuba, pray, pray for that, that God gives them. And then here's all one of the groups, you know, raising their Bibles. Here's a, a kids group raising their children's Bible, and then uh, the, the, my wife who's from the Northwest, from Bellevue, Washington. She loves books. She does not like to speak in public. But for those of you that are bookworms, she said, you know, I have a great idea. In Cuba, they have great liter- a great literacy rate, but they don't have any fun books to read. The kids don't have any books. So I'm gonna, let's start a lending library ministry where we give it to a house pastor. And we did it. And you'll see that in the next picture, there's a group. This is just a small. You see the little bookshelves back there. There's only like 250 books that she puts together. And she reads all of them. And then she sent, them. they're fun books, secular books, but fun for kids from age, kindergarten through sixth grade. And the first month, the pastor said, Danny, everybody in our neighborhood are coming to our doors. You gave us those little cards to check on. You said they can check them out for a week. But it's not working because they take three or four books, and the next day they're back. They already read all the books, and they want more books. They're like that hungry for books. And then the cool thing is that like some of the authority figures in the, in the community that don't come to our church, they're showing up with their kids on our door. Hey, pastor, we understand you have books to lend. Because the kids, they love their treasure. They love their children. And they're coming now. He, he talked to me last month. He said, now they're coming from other communities three kilometers away, you know, walking. And they're, so pray for us because we have in storage because of COVID, we have like three sets of, of these lending libraries for other house churches. And we need to get them into Cuba. That's another thing to pray for. The churches in Cuba look different. Most of them, 80% are house churches. But then we get some unique churches like this one that you're going to see. There, and there's a couple of them that I know like this. They kind of build this. It's a corrugated zinc for a roof. And then they, they, the, the government doesn't get permissions to start new churches. That's kind of unheard of. They allow us to refurbish existing churches. The Cubans push the envelope by starting house churches like under the guise of a house that's having a Bible study. So that's how they get away with that. And we just pray that God continues to give them favor because in some instances they've bulldozed some of them. But in this instance, like this kind, that's a bigger one. They say it's going to be a truck. It's for doing truck mechanical work. And you go, what's that big hole in the center in the front? Well, the trucks come over and that's where we do the work underneath change oil. It's the Baptistry. So <laughs> keep praying that God continues to give Cubans this creativity to get around all these rules that try to thwart the church. Uh, next picture. Uh, this is one young man who was 17, went to church for like two or three years. He got saved. He went to church, invited his parents for a year. They didn't want to go. But then he got deathly ill. Their only son, he, the doctors gave up on him, on him and said, there's nothing else we can do. Then they took their son crying and weeping to the house pastor. On their knees said, pastor, pray for us. We've been, you know, real hard of heart. But this is our son. Because, of, because he got healed, that's the garage of their house. They have a big truck, like a military transport truck. But they use it for transportation in Cuba. People that have those kind of trucks, they have a good income in Cuba because transportation is a problem. And he said that place was sacred. That was his moneymaker. But he, he parks his truck on the street now. And this was a month after being saved. I went to their house. This is their garage. They had no, not much discipleship, no Bible school. they had a church. They started witnessing to everybody in their community about the miracle that God had done with their son. And, and thus the need for Bible training in Cuba, we introduced global universities to Cuba about 11 years ago. And we have a lot of pastors. But after a year of the program starting, I, this was in Havana, I asked this group of global university students. And from here I can't see, but hopefully you can see their, their hands. I mean, most of them have their hands lifted up. I, I asked them this question. You have to understand, for Cubans, going to the United States is like the land of milk and honey. So I said, if God calls you to go to another country to spread and share the gospel, with the exception of the United States. Let's exclude that in this question for for obvious reasons. And I said, how many of you would be willing to go anywhere, to Asia, to to the Middle Eastern countries, to Africa, anywhere? And this was the response. And as a missionary working over a decade at that time there, it was like such joy because their chant was Cuba para Cristo, Cuba for Christ. But it had changed. They started yelling out Cuba para Cristo y las naciones. Cuba for Christ and the nations. God has done something powerful in Cuba. Keep praying for Cuba. Keep investing. Thank you for following Jesus' awesome strategic investment plan for eternity. Keep storing your treasures in heaven.
0: Amen, 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 amen. Powerful, powerful. Things happening all around the world, and we are able to be a part of it. Isn't that incredible to think about? We have a part to play. Many times I'll look to heaven, I'll say, Lord, thank you for giving us an opportunity to be a part of the greatest enterprise in the history of the world, building the kingdom of God. And partnering with these extraordinary missionaries, we are able to play our part, and we're on the prayer team for sure, and we're on the giving team for sure. And through short-term missions, we can be a part of the go team as well. I like to each year take a moment to review a little bit of how we do things here at BCA. And we use this pledge card that you find in the booklet. It's also online if you have the app or if you're listening online to the sermon here today, welcome. Uh, You'll find the uh, pledge card there as well. And this is just simply a card that reads, as God enables me, I will help take the message of Jesus." into the world by giving through the missions program of BCA. And as I mentioned, when you give to BCA Missions, it literally goes uh, around the world through our 80 missionaries and all the projects and five global church partnerships. The question that I'd like us all to ask ourselves is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Make this a real personal conversation between you and the Lord. You know, in our church, and it's probably true in every church, we have two groups of people. We have the engaged and the unengaged. The engaged are those that are already giving, supporting missionaries, and we have just an incredible core group of people that have been doing this for years and years and years. They just do it because it's a part of their faith. It's the fabric of who they are as Christ followers. You know, I tithe, and then I give to global missions, and then I, I give almsgiving, etc., but it's just a part of what we do. It's part of our faith. And for those of us that are a part of the engaged group, you know, I think the prayer is, God, would would you have me do the same? Would you have me do a little bit more? What would you have me to do this year? And then there's the other group, the unengaged. And for that group, I would encourage you to become a part of the engaged by beginning to give every single month starting this year. The amount is between you and the Lord. Maybe you can give $5 or $10 a month, whatever, whatever the uh, case might be. You know, you give 10 or 15 and somebody else gives 10 or $15, we are able to add another missionary onto our support roster. We've made a commitment to support all the missionaries flowing out of our particular state and surrounding state because we are committed to do everything we possibly can to help get missionaries on the field. They're the key. They're... They're the background. They're the backbone. They're the boots on the ground. We need to do everything we can to help get them going as quickly and go as far as possible. And so we want to pray more. We want to give more. And then once they're there, we want to go with teams to be an encouragement to our missionaries any way we possibly can. So take this card. If you're able to fill it out today, either online or right here, you can drop it in the black box as you leave. If you're at home, fill it out on the computer there or you can use your app here if you're seated or or at home. And just let us know about what you would like to do this year. That helps our missions advisory team make good decisions going forward. We also want to uh, receive a special cash offering for all the missionaries that are with us as well as some other missionary needs that we have. Uh, Oftentimes, our missionaries have major cash needs buying tickets to get back on the field or get to the field for the first time, as well as any number of other things. So would you consider giving a special cash offering? There's envelopes in the back. You can give online, as always, to General Missions Giving, and we, uh, in advance, say thank you. I want us to pray, and then uh, we're going to prepare to close here in just a few moments. Our worship team's going to come out and uh, get ready to lead us in a special song before we dismiss. But I'd like you just to bow your heads. I'd like you to quiet your hearts. And I'd like you to make this just a real personal time with the Lord. I'd like you to just simply say, Lord, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to help those that haven't been reached be reached. I want some of those unreached people groups to hear for the first time. I want to support our missionaries who are trying to get on the field. I want to support building of churches and Bible schools and training of pastors and reaching of children and youth. I want to be a part, Lord, of those ministries and opportunities. Use me, Lord. Give me a a heart that mirrors the heart of God. May my heart break for what breaks the heart of God. May I be moved to my toes with the message that the world needs Jesus and so many haven't even heard. Move on our hearts, Lord. Compel us in 2022 as you did in 2021. Compel us, Lord, to be faithful in praying, giving, and going. We're excited about our short-term outreach missions trips this year. I pray, God, you'll raise up people to go and raise the finances needed for the projects. We're going to talk more about that next week, Lord, and I pray you'll just move on all of our hearts. But today, Lord, we think of our 80 missionaries and the support they need. Some brand new, like the Colby's. We want to help get them going, Lord. Others who have been at it for quite some time, we want to continue, Lord, to send them as they renew their commitment every two or four years. So God, use us as a church family. May we be faithful in doing our part. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayerfully consider what God would have you do. We're going to sing a brief song, and then I'll come back up and close our service.